Hi, beauty. I'm so grateful you were led to this podcast. I'm your host, Miranda. Hi. I'm a wife, coach, and mom to four world changers. And this is the Recalibrating Hearts podcast. It's my heart that in this space, you would encounter the love of the Father and receive downloads, revelations, and solutions for partnering with God in your breakthrough. You'll also hear how we're building our family, powerful prayers and declarations for you, and ways to incorporate natural solutions for whole health. I think it's time to normalize spiritual breakthrough and walk in freedom with whole hearts. Holy Spirit, you get full permission to recalibrate our hearts. Let's go. So I'm honored to bring to you this conversation between me and my therapist, Kathy Bates. As soon as I heard her voice and talked to her for a few minutes, I'll, I can say is my spirit kind of leapt and I was like, I need to have a conversation with her on my podcast and she was open to it. So I'm so grateful. Hey, just a, a warning. Not only will we give you tips and uh, really uh, her coaching and therapy um, and tools to help you with your breakthrough from trauma and healing from trauma, um, especially pay attention to the calm, safe place. That's super beautiful. Might be on part two. But I would like just you to not listen with children in the room and just this isn't for the faint of heart. So warning, I don't think it's a trigger warning per se. I just feel like uh, this is one of those conversations where I want to be taking my podcast in the future to really, wow, heartfelt, meaningful, deep and real, vulnerable conversations. All right. So I know you'll be blessed. Enjoy. Everyone, we are here today, and I'm like super excited about this episode because I will say that this is a divine appointment. Okay, this is a divine appointment that Kathy, my guest, even agreed to come on. And I will tell you this, but well, she's my therapist for right now in this season. This is 2023, and this is actually December 2023 as of this recording. And I met her and or talked with her on the phone in either August or before that, and I'll have her introduce herself in a sec. But here's the deal: as soon as I talked with Kathy. I was like, I need her on my show, but I didn't. It was that like the Lord sharing that with me, like whispering that it wasn't like I knew or even sat down with her. And I say that to say you're in for a gift. You're in for um, get your notepad and, and pencils and pens and just cuddle up to with your blanket, like be open to what the Lord wants to do. You guys, this is going to be a treat. Not only is Kathy a professional and she'll introduce herself and her background, but I know when I talk to somebody, the depths of them and the, like, the wits or the wisdom that comes with that. And when we're talking about healing trauma and going from brokenness to freedom, I know you will get tools for your tool bag. So Kathy, me, I just would love for you to introduce yourself. Welcome to the show. And I literally cannot wait to see what comes out of your mouth, girl. Welcome. Um, thank you, Miranda. But wow, what an introduction. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. <laughs> so I'm Kathy Bates. And like I tell everybody, just I have the same name as a famous movie actress. I've been fortunate because I can talk my way. Out. I've talked my way out of a speeding ticket right. with a famous last name. <laughs> so, so I'm very lucky. I do have two dogs and so they should be okay. They should be nice. And- well, you agreed to be on my show, which you, you, you were like, you're not weird. So I'll come on your show. And I'm like, exactly. I was like, well, she's not too out there. I think I'll, okay, I'll survive this. I had, to, I had to laugh because I was like, this is crazy, but I have a podcast. Once I sat down with you, I was like, 
Kathy, I knew that you had a message to share to the world. And I know you treat, oh my goodness, other than now from one, from two clinics, now you're working at one, thank goodness, right in my backyard. I'm so grateful. But my friend, um, Brian, who he's just like, Kathy treats vets, EMDR. And I was looking for an EMDR therapist for, you have to be the right person though. And I was looking for, I agree. but let's just, you know, riff back and forth and dialogue who you introduce yourself, how long you've been maybe working in the industry. And like, I just appreciate, I want them to hear more about even like how you dive in fully to education, not just other therapists or psychotherapists or you're like in and still continuing education still. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, you know, that, I guess that's just part of who I am. I, when I get a little of information, I want more and I want more and I want more. And I graduated. Oh, you're making me think back the years. I I think I had my master's. I think I graduated in 2005. And we were living in southeastern Wisconsin. We were living in the Milwaukee area at the point. That point in the Milwaukee area is saturated with people that have their master's. Okay. And so it took about a year and a half for me to finally get a position. Um, And I kept that for two years, long enough for me to get my license. And once you get your license, you can go out and do like basically anything. And then we moved up here in 2010. And I had always wanted to get trained in EMDR because myself, I had personally experienced it. And when I was, I have trauma, just like everybody else in the world does. Mm -hmm. And when I was in graduate school, I did my internship at a domestic violence shelter to, to work in like that kind of, you have like that kind of trauma, that kind of, I did phone therapy. We would get people that would just call. I would have people that um, were regular clients. And then we had people that would just walk in off the street that had just been beaten or raped. Or I remember the first day realizing I needed to get a filter to put on my head because I wasn't going to be able to survive it, but I didn't have a filter. Because I was so constantly surrounded by all of that trauma and all that chaos, it reactivated my own stuff. And I knew in order for me to survive and do the work in the world that I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. I knew I had to get myself straightened out. And so I had been in talk therapy previous, but I had been given, I knew, I knew of someone that was qualified to do EMDR and I'd had a couple different people, other professionals say, yeah, you're going to need EMDR. You're going to need. So I went in, oh, I think I did on and off two years worth of it. Okay. And I would, I would do like maybe four or five months worth. And then I would take a break. Okay. And then a year later I would go back. And I see that same exact pattern with my clients because EMDR is like peeling an onion Mm -hmm. and they come in for, to get relief and it feels like really good and which is great, but about six months or a year down the line to whatever, how many years down the line, all of a sudden they'll run in and they'll realize, oh my gosh, I've got to go back for more. I can just feel it inside. I feel like what's going on. And so it was my own experience with EMDR. I trained with another therapist. Natalie Wetzel Rasmussen down in Elko. Um, And she and I went together to Chicago. Um, It was a three day, three day training. And there were people from all over the world that come to the training. Yeah. They don't off. They now they offer it online and anybody can get it. But back then, you know, this is what 12, 13, 14 years. They didn't, they didn't have that. We didn't have those techniques. And so I I went to Chicago for three full days of training. Then we had to do, I think it was five or six months of phone consultation with a supervisor on a monthly basis. Yeah. And then back to Chicago for another full three days of training. And then uh, another five months of phone consultation. We, myself and Natalie, we got to know other therapists from all around the world. 
we had people, we, we, we hung out with some therapists from Canada. Mm. There were people from Spain, from Israel, all over the continental United States plus the world, because people, when you get this information, you want to get this out because you want to help you, you, it's like a, it's a calling. And so, so to get to do EMDR, it's not, I mean, it's not like going on uh, YouTube and you watch something for an hour. For real. (laughs) And can you break down what EMDR is? Because I always, I literally talk like people know, but the eye movement, you know, resensitization. Yeah. What, What EMDR is, is it's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And how it was discovered is Francine Shapiro. And she's, she's deceased now, mm-hmm. but maybe 30, 30, I, I'm not exactly how many, but, but over 30 years ago, she was in graduate school and she was really upset about something. And so she went out for a walk and you know, when you're upset and you go out for a walk, how mm-hmm. it just kind of helps take some of that anxiety out. Mm-hmm. And as she was walking, she realized that it was helpful. She went back and she started to study it because it was like, oh, this is interesting. This really does help. Why does this help? And so out of that sprang EMDR. Wow. And what EMDR is, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And it's been around for like 30 years. So it has stood the test of time. And so it's a series of tones, taps, finger movements, where I bring up the REM cycle. We have five cycles of sleep we do every 90 minutes to two hours. The fifth cycle is REM, and that's when we dream. And when we dream, we only dream for about 10, 15 minutes at a time. Feels like we've done it all night, but it's a short duration. And people that use alcohol or drugs excessively, they may get 12 hours of sleep, but they don't get the REM cycle. And so that's why um, it's so important to get the REM cycle because scientifically they've discovered that the REM cycle is what helps us make sense of our life. So if you've ever had the experience where you need to make a decision and you can't, you don't know, you can't remember, you're not sure what to do. You go to bed, go to sleep. And the next morning you wake up and you know exactly what you need to do. That's REM. And so um, what EMDR is, is a series of tones, taps, finger movements that brings that cycle up. And so you're in the REM cycle, which helps us process trauma. So is it okay if I just jump in and go into the neural science, yep. right? Okay. The left part of our brain is logic. The right part of our brain is emotion and it's your body. So as you and I are blabbing away mm-hmm. and you know, is when we're in session, you're, you take in, you're taking in the logic. So your left brain is working. And as long as you're not being emotionally overwhelmed, your brain brain is working. So the left and the right come together and then you put it files way into a memory. So later on, if you want to think about it, you can think about it. What happens with trauma is you have the logic of a situation, but the emotion is overwhelming. And because of that, our brain take logic and overwhelming emotion and put it together and file it away into a memory. It can't do that. And so that's why it stays as a racing thought. Mm. And so what the EMDR does is it helps bring down the emotionality of the trauma. Mm. The emotionality comes down. The left brain can go, oh, I can take this. This is not overwhelming emotionally. And the right left brain can take that and say, oh, we can put that away into a memory. Or if it can't put it into memory, it'll bring it down to a more sustainable level where I can live at this number. It's easier to live at this number. So good. You can keep going, but I I really, I got to to interject. When you said 
first of all, I want to, I would love to discuss a little bit and break down the difference between talk therapy. Now that you gave me words for it and EMDR therapy, because I've experienced both Mm -hmm. and I experienced talk therapy. Now I'm not condemning any talk therapy or anybody's. Oh yeah. It's very important that we have that. Okay. For me back in the day, when I went in at whatever age, very significant trauma, basically frozen analysis, paralysis, et cetera. Talk therapy was overwhelming. Maybe it wasn't the time for EMDR, but this time in my life, because I'm like, does, can everyone benefit? You know, we'll get to all these questions, but talk therapy versus EMDR. I'll take EMDR any day. Like something happens in EMDR, Kathy, and it's, it's so beautiful. And it's such a a gift. Did you find that for yourself when you were going through it? Oh, absolutely. EMDR is not talk therapy. It's an experience. And it, and it's really, I, a lot of people really struggle with that okay. because they come in and they've had talk therapy for so many years when I, when they want to do the EMDR and I experience, and I just explain, it's just an experience, just experience it. That's mm-hmm. all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Don't think it, it'll come just let naturally whatever happens, happens, just let it happen. A lot of people struggle with that because it means that they have to get into their body. So a lot of times in order to do some really effective with EMDR, I'll work with clients sometimes for years before they're ready to get into their body enough to be able to do EMDR. So it's not, some people can come in and I can just boom, 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 five sessions, they're done, they walk out. Other people takes a whole lot longer because their energy is so blocked. And you and I have talked about that, how everything on this earth is energy. Mm-hmm. The clouds are energy, the grass is energy, this everything. Our body is energy. And what happens with the trauma is the energy in our body gets blocked. And the EMDR, and when it gets blocked, I I explain it that that trauma is like concrete. Mm. It keeps you blocked, it keeps you stuck so that you don't have much move, you don't have any movement in your life. And the EMDR is like a sledgehammer and it comes in and it breaks up like the concrete. So you can take pieces out of the way. So you can start viewing and living your life a little bit differently because of that. So beautiful. Why do you feel other than trauma? So go deeper. Why do you feel that some people have a hard time getting in their body? Because I, I haven't been that way in so long because I, it takes me a little bit, but it's pretty quick, but I've worked at it for so stinking long. Why do you think some people are like, other than blocked and trauma, do you have any? Because it has to do with attachment. Attachment. Yep. And it has to do, and attachment is, we, attachment is a survival instinct. Okay. We attach, I mean, that's what it is. And when a baby cries, they cry because they're telling the world, I need help, hold me, feed me, take care of me, because I can't do this on our own. Mm-hmm. And healthy attachment, you know, when you're picked up and soothed and comforted and loved, you, your body wires to feel pleasure. you you learn to feel satisfied in your body, all those, you know, good things that just lead on to life. But what happens is when the infant gets inconsistent care, doesn't know mm-hmm. if it's going to be soothed or not, where on occasion it will be, sometimes it's not. And that creates so much tension for that infant that the only thing it can do to handle that is it suppresses all its emotion. And because it suppresses its emotion, it literally from a very young age learns to just be left-brained, to be focused on logic without the emotionality. And so and 20 to 25% of the United States population is this. I was gonna say you're speaking to a lot of people right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's and 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 this suppressed emotion where you live in your left head 
there's some wonderful things that the world gets from that mm. because focusing on all that logic, I mean, think of all the incredible gifts, you know, that, that have been studied and learned because of that. Yeah. But that inability to connect with that, um, that emotion, what the child, the infant basically learns is no one pays attention to me. So they just kind of live their life in that manner that it doesn't, you know, nobody really pays attention to me. And in studies uh, where they have an infant in the room and then they have the parent come in, yeah. you know, where the infants or the child, what you know, whatever age it is, mm-hmm. and then they'll have the child, the parent in the other room, and then the parent come back in the room, the child won't even look up at the parent. Mm. It just continues to play with his toys. And then on the other side, which is in the same category, some but some people react with the suppression, okay. whereas the others, that anxiety, that that tension is so intense that instead of sup- suppressing, when the parent comes back in the room, they cling to the parent. Wow. And instead of crawling out and playing with the toys, the child stays connected to the parent's side. And so that passes on into life, clinging from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship. Okay. Goodness. Yeah. And then there's a fourth attachment, which is the disorganized attachment and disorganized attachment almost always leads into some form of a dissociative disorder. Okay. But we're talking like really profound, profound trauma. Yeah, which if we feel led to go into that, let's go into that. But for okay. now, listen, I, veterans are on my heart right now. So I want to mm-hmm. lean that way because we can flow anyway. There's like so much to talk so much to talk about veterans. Now let's say they have a good foundation or a decent foundation or a decent mm-hmm. attachment, go through life, go through high school, right? Not just me, other vets, you specialized with helping vets. You actually only take vets at this time. If I'm wrong, correct me. I, they're, they're one of the few that I make sure I get in. They're Got one it. of the few populations that I will get in. Right. I appreciate it. Yes. Cause that's me. And I'm so grateful for that. Super grateful. Like I, when it comes to veterans, tell me your thoughts on why it's important for you they go through life, they have this, this, and all of a sudden, boom, the trauma of the military. Our brain is not wired to experience trauma. And what happens with, with trauma when we experience it, we immediately, for the most part, we go into the fight, flies, fight, flight, freeze response. Mm-hmm. And so fight, which means all the chemicals in your body get ready to fight. Mm-hmm. Flight, all those chemicals give you the ability to flee. Mm-hmm your eyes automatically dilate because your body and brain know you're going to need extra light to survive whatever you have to survive. And so you have all these chemical reactions occurring. And if you run and you fight, that's what those chemicals are intended to do. And when you can't use those chemicals, remember, we talk all about energy in the body and how the energy flows. And the fight flight is energy flowing, but the freeze, if you can't use those chemicals, that's where the freeze takes place. And that's what creates the PTSD Mm. is the inability to do the fight flight. And that's where the energy gets blocked. Yeah. Not to mention the circumstances of testing and it's crazy, like the training and I'm not, you know, condemning again, I I know my listeners have enough emotional intelligence to hear. We're just dialoguing, riffing. These are our beliefs. Okay. You are a professional. These are our beliefs. What I experienced in the army is no joke. I came out of the military and didn't even know I had PTSD. Yeah. Um, a vet, um, you know, official here was like, Hey, do you want to like look into PTSD? I was like, Oh, that might be my problem. But childhood trauma 
or childhood, you know, my parents getting divorced trauma, then the high school, even going to a bigger school, then the military, a person just can't. I was grateful for talk therapy for like a bridge for Prozac for a bridge. But looking back, my heart's sad that many people out there are talk therapy meds without getting to the root of the problem. Right. Integrating trauma. Right. And that's why I always do the body work because the body work guides me. You can't, I, I, at least as, as a therapist, I can't do therapy without doing both doing the, the, the logic brain and the body because the, there's two different, and, and you and I have talked about this as well, yeah. is that we have 30 some different kinds of memory. Isn't that fascinating? Wow, I mean, amazing. yeah, I mean, which is just fascinating. And the two most important are the explicit and the implicit. And the explicit is like right now, you and I, the, the story that we're telling, mm-hmm. that's explicit memory. That's we're using our logical brain. The implicit is a, a memory in your body. And we call that non-declarative memory. And non-declarative memory emerges really well when you do art or music or dance or journaling, because you're using the right part of your brain. You're using that body part. That's why that's so helpful. It totally uses that different side. And the problem with trauma is you may be able to tell your story logically, but it's all that emotion that gets stored in your body. And that's where that's why I do a lot of trauma work to really locate where it is mm-hmm. and to help the client be aware of that. And usually trauma, when you talk about the emotionality, it's always located between the abdomen and the throat up and up, up, into, up into the mouth, all through in here and why that's carried there, because that's where shame resides. And there's always with trauma, there's the shame and it's the shame is why wasn't I enough? Why, why couldn't I, the, the, when trauma occurs, it's usually just one or two other people around. It's usually not a big, you know, unless it's a tsunami or a bomb or something. And so the first thing you learn when you've been traumatized is you instantly learn you can't trust other people. And in the next moment you learn, oh my God, it's my fault. It must've been me. And our brain and body doesn't know how to make sense of that. And so you spend the rest of your life looking over your shoulder because you don't ever want to repeat that again, but you've been changed because you can't go back to be who you were before, because when you learn, you can't trust, it changes you at the core. Mm. So that means it changes your decisions. It it, It changes everything about you at that moment. So it's a big deal. It's such a big deal. And it's touching so many parts right now. I can feel it. Um, I can usually feel like before we launch mm-hmm. this, I, I can feel, and I love your voice. It's really soothing. So people are able to process what you're talking about, but it makes sense to me in the body because we're spirit, soul, and body. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this platform recalibrating hearts is really about healing, inner healing through spiritual growth, etc. body, right. brokenness, freedom. So they under my listeners understand spirit, soul, and body, but why wouldn't we, ha- I'm just very grateful. I feel like MBR is a gift a gift from the father. He knew we needed a way to, like you said, when the right or left, whichever one is like kind of stuck, it just makes sense though, how rigid I was for after the military, how strict, I mean, and I was raising a daughter on that. God bless her. We're healing now, but it was like, like nothing bends black and white. I I I just felt super trapped too, super trapped. And it makes so much sense. And that's why trauma 
that's why EMDR can be helpful, like for depression too, because depression is really the same thought process that goes with trauma. Mm. It's that all or none thinking mm. it's either right or it's wrong. Mm. And the, and, and, and that's exactly, you know, that it's right or it's wrong and you don't have any gray area to go to. And so th- that's where your energy gets stuck. There's nothing again against talk therapy, but talk therapy therapy serves its purpose for a time. EMDR oh, sure. needs to come into people's lives when it's time. I just want to put a, not a shout out, but encourage you listeners. If you are looking for healing from trauma, find like pray about and find the right EMDR therapist. For okay. You. So, so here's a website to go to is EMDRIA. I movement desensitization reprocessing international association because it's worldwide. And that website has all the research, all the information, and you can find a therapist. You can go on there. Yeah. And you can go find a therapist. EMDRIA international association.org. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. Yes. Because go on there and find, and you know, you, you have to be a uh, psychiatrist, psychotherapist. Like you have to be, no, you have to have your master's, master's in order. To, yeah, okay. you have to be at least master's level to get the EMDR. Got and it. like I said, it's a year of training yeah. in order to get it. You know, so it's not, you, you can't go on YouTube and learn how to do it in an yeah. hour. And there are a lot of people that will take like an eight hour class on it and say that they're qualified and they're not. Be, or they'll, yeah. I, I've seen people, I, I've had clients that have come in that have said they've had EMDR before. And then I'll do, be doing the EMDR and they're like, what is this? And I'm like, this is EMDR. Yeah. And they're like, well, we didn't do that. And I'm like, well, what did you do? And what they'll show me has nothing to do with EMDR. Right. So be careful. I'm like, be right. wise when they're right. like. And, and that's why going to that website, you can verify. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll put that in the, the notes as well or the, okay. the platform. Well, I want to, I, re- I really want to. So basically, I also want to honor you because you're not only got EMDR, um, uh, education, but you're like always going further into, I can just tell when I'm sitting with you and then receiving EMDR and really the healing that's occurring, which I'll share as it comes up. I can tell you've been places and sat under teachers. You continue to have a, a mentor yourself. What is like the passion behind it? You, even now you're in some kind of trauma training or psychology. Anyway, you yeah. just got done with one. You're about to do another one. What's the passion? What drives you to do that? Cause you could just take EMDR you have your patients, clients and be done with it. Yeah, You could. Um, that's a really interesting question. I've never kind of explored that other than it's just something in me I need to do. It just keeps pushing me. And to do this work is really a calling. It's not, you know, and, and everybody's got their own way and their own experience with it. But, um, I don't know. I just like, I like being able to provide information for people because, providing that information gives them a relief from their suffering. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing a class on dissociation right now. I mean, a year ago I took interpersonal neurobiology and I, and I followed Dan Siegel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a Harvard trained psychiatrist mm-hmm. and he just speaks my language. I also, I I've done, a, I've done study under Gabor Maté mm-hmm. and I've talked about Gabor Maté who um, his mother told him the story when he was a little bit old, when he was older that when he was 10 months and he, he was, he's Jewish and he lived, they lived in, um, maybe it was hungry. I'm not sure, but they lived in a German occupied country Mm. and about 10 months old, he wouldn't stop crying. And his mother called the doctor and she said, he won't stop crying. 
And the doctor said, all the Jewish babies are crying. Mm -hmm. And we know neurologically now that as young as six months in utero, we ba the babies are already picking up anxiety. Now that's important because they need to start learning to adjust and know that this is going to be what life is about. I mean, that's important for that. Yeah. But we also know that excessive trauma from the mother, what, what if she has a high stress pregnancy, what that means is her body creates extra cortisol because cortisol is the chemical that helps us calm ourselves down. And when you are pregnant and you're experiencing a high stress pregnancy, that means that your the baby's brain is getting lots of excessive cortisol. And that cortisol feels good. And the baby brain is like, oh, this feels really good. And the baby's brain needs to be making receptors. And receptors are just areas in the brain that take the cortisol in. But it feels so good that the baby brain goes, oh, we don't have to make these receptors. Come on. So some of us come to earth with a little bit less ability to emotionally regulate well Goodness. because of that. A lot of things we can do to help, but that's one of the neurological understandings that we now have. Wow. Yeah. How, how, how impactful, you know, trauma, anxiety. And I mean, anxiety is like there's stress and there's anxiety. Stress is just stress. Stress is neither bad. Stress is not good. It's just stress. It's just what life is. Anxiety, that's where things in mental health, anxiety is the easiest thing to treat. Hmm. And it's the most frequent thing to treat. But anxiety is also, and it's just anxiety. Someone that can't leave the house, agoraphobia, yeah. that's just anxiety on steroids. You know, so a lot of these, you know, hoarding is really about just anxiety. That's setting on some people free. Like some people are getting really set free right now just to be like, you're not alone. You know, right. I want to, I want to briefly mention, because I want to be, I, I love my audience knows that I'm transparent and vulnerable. You name it. I feel like it brings freedom. But this comes up that I finally, I think, pinpointed anxiety. My father died in April, had my first anxiety attack, but that I labeled, worked through it, breathed through it, prayed through it, cried through it, emotions, eat essential oils. Just um, before September, we were about to go to a homeschool group and it was new. And again, I just want to tell you guys out there listening, I feel you, I see you, and I'm not afraid or ashamed Finally, because before I was like, eh, justification, oh, pass, you know, just kind of abandoned myself in it, basically justified or ignored it. And I'm going, getting ready for homeschool club that I, we've never been to when Victoria was um, younger, but I kind of blocked that because of so much trauma, I blocked it. So this, the teacher remembers me, but this beautiful homeschool club, I'm sure all the good things, dude. I literally couldn't barely breathe. I was angry and mad. I, anyway, I had this anxiety and I go, what is the deal with meeting new people? And I didn't explore it that much. I just want you guys listening to know you're not alone in anxiety. It's also nothing to be ashamed about. I don't know. Like you said, it's anxiety easy. is just anxiety. And there's so many different ways to like, you know, and you know how I talk about you know, a thought is just a thought. Yeah, I like that. I was going to say, go into that a little bit. To EMDR, I also have dial dialectical behavior therapy training. Mm -hmm. And that goes with that is, and, and I link those together. And so, and I think I've talked about wave theory, where there's a theory that life began in the ocean, and that we know that amniotic fluid and ocean water are 98% chemically identical. Wow. 
Isn't that fascinating to think I know, about I that? Life. I love life. And we know that in the ocean, there's fish and seaweed and rocks and all, but the unseen, the unrecognized part of the ocean mm -hmm. is the waves. And so the impact of waves, the first sound, the infant in utero, the first sound it experiences is the mother's breath, which is a wave. Wow. And the mother's heartbeat, which is a wave. Wow. And everything on this earth is a wave. Nothing is permanent. And our brain doesn't know how to handle that. That's why we struggle because we don't get that things are not permanent. And we're ending the wave of fall soon to enter the wave of winter. So good. The mountains will not be here forever because they're in a wave and eventually they will erode away. And so this wave affects our thought, our thoughts, our body, and our emotion all work on waves. So a thought is just a wave that slides in and it's supposed to slide out. But because we're so highly intelligent creatures and kind of stupid at the same time, the thought comes in and we cling onto it instead of the letting the thought just be a thought. And then we cling onto it. So then we get into the whole overthinking thing, which causes so much suffering. Same thing for the emotion. An emotion is just an emotion. That's all it is. And to let the emotion slide in. And then instead of clinging onto the emotion, let the emotion just do what it's naturally supposed to do, which is slide out. And we have to remind ourselves to do that because we get so stuck in that. Man. And it, it's the same thing with the body. And I do work also with people with chronic pain because chronic pain is the same thing. The pain comes in. It's just pain. It slides in and then it slides out. It's just a whole other way of thinking. That's really how we're designed to, to think in many ways. And I'm like, just think if we all, if kids grew up thinking that way. Kathy, I mean, I just, I love, I feel the waves as you were talking. I was like, ah, but I want to ask if you know, if you don't know the answer, please we'll pass and move on to something else or keep talking. Why do you feel like people make meaning or make something like you said, grab onto something overthink I used to do 24. Okay. 24 sure. seven made the most difficult or simple things, difficult, difficult things. Couldn't figure out how to make it simple. Why do people grab onto something and make meaning of something? What is that even? It, I, it, I, I, th this is what I think is the answer is it's about uh, defensive mechanisms. Wow. As you should be talking about Gabor Mate, he talks about that. We come to earth when we come to earth, we are born to be loved. Agreed. Because we do not make it in this world if we are not loved. Agreed. Our brain does not develop mm -hmm. if we are not loved. And so we are born to love, to be loved, because that means we're born then to pass that love on. I mean, in the whole scheme of things. Yep. And so he talks about we come to earth to be loved. And we come to earth, we have a spirit, a heart, a soul, whatever you want to define it as. And then we come with our ego. And what happens is at some point we are traumatized and trauma is unbearable pain mm -hmm. and it is unbearable pain because it is unbearable and it's unbearable pain because we are alone in this unbearable pain. And at that moment, our spirit is ripped from us. In order to survive, we have to use our defensive mechanisms to keep oh, us safe. Jeez. And so our personalities are all defensive mechanisms. They're all different ways to keep us safe. 
And when you recognize that, and then it gives you choices. Oh, I'm going to use this defensive mechanism. Wait a minute. No, I have a choice. I can think about it differently. I can do it different. Come on. And that's why mindfulness and EMDR is really helpful for, to help, help teach mindfulness because mindfulness at the core is just experiencing an experience. Mindfulness is standing behind a waterfalls and just watching the waterfalls. It's not becoming the waterfalls. It's just standing back and observing. That's all it is. Being present. Nope. Not, and not presence part of it, but it's, it's just observing and experiencing an experience. And when you observe and experience the experience, instead of getting all nuts in our head is what we do. And it's a natural reaction when someone is overstimulated, when someone reacts, our brain will naturally respond to that and start to get riled up because we don't know if it's life-threatening yet for us. Mm-hmm. So it's just a natural reaction. Mm-hmm. And so what good mindfulness teaches us is how we can override that. Override the stimulation, the overthinking. Yeah, yeah. And, and override and, and just, and let our brain, instead of letting our brain go, okay. just calm the brain down and go, oh no, wait a minute, I can stay here in this moment. This is safe. This wow. is just someone else's moment to not be safe. You know, you're bursting a lot of, in a good way, you know, you're shaking things up a lot. I like it a lot because here's the most, imp- one of the most important things you've said, but I'm going to, I'm taking two pages of notes so far. Sure. The most important things you said, I think for a person um, suffering from trauma in the middle of trauma, like if someone's listening to this, okay. Is I like how you were like, you have a choice because people in trauma, I used to believe I don't have a choice. I know it's a right. lie right. or it's a thought that you overstimulate. Right. There's such hope. And I know we're infusing hope into many, many hearts and minds right now that you do have a choice, but some people are like, yeah, right. Prove it to me, dude. I'm stuck in this. I'm doing that. I'm like, how go a little bit. Okay. I'll give you an example. And, uh, Victor Frankl was a Jewish psychiatrist in world war II. He was the head of the neurology department at the university of Austria. And he and his family were arrested and um, he's the only one that survived and he survived. I don't know how many years it was, but he survived Auschwitz. This man has written like, he's deceased now. He's been deceased for quite a while, but he wrote probably 50 books on his experience. And the first book he wrote was Man's Search for Meaning. And in Man's Search for Meaning, the two things that I always have gleamed off when I've read that book, and I've read it several times. And each time I read it, I get something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is that despite the horrific conditions the ability to experience beauty and joy was still possible. Think about that, that our brain still had the capacity, despite those horrific conditions, that their brains had the ability to still experience beauty and joy, which is kind of a pretty profound thought. And the second thing he talked about, which is even more important, is, you know, when you hear the expression, attitude is everything. And that really came from him and his work that, attitude that to survive Auschwitz, it was very random if you survived. You were in the right place at the right time. But it also had to do with attitude. And he would he talks in the book about where he could see he knew when someone was going to go commit suicide by throwing themselves and being electrocuted on the wires. And he could tell within a couple of days when they were going to do that. And it and those that had attitude and, and that's not the right way. The only thing we have control of in our life, one of the only things we have control over is our attitude. Oh my goodness. Somebody, I mean, someone needs to hear that. Like 
I don't even know if I understood that when you feel, let me just riff for a second, like dialogue about this. It's so special when you feel like you are powerless in a situation or you feel victim, especially self-pity. This is a take home for somebody listening, especially. I, I just wish I would have known that sooner. But when you feel powerless and you feel like you have nowhere to go, I mean, the, the Lord was always there for me and led me out of my dark, whatever. How, I guess, does someone hold on? Let's say they hear that and then they hold on to that through darkness, through like, it's a it's choice. That, it, it's that, that we have, we always have the choice. Everything was removed in a concentration. Everything about you was taken from you. Dude. And the only thing that can never be taken is your attitude. Please let that sink in. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that was a determinant if you survive or not survive. And even if you have the right attitude, it doesn't guarantee you would survive. Mm -hmm. But it, but it, it's the one, it's an edge that can give you. You know, our first, I think, session, you talked about a calm, safe, safe place. For somebody listening that feels like they don't have that or something, let's just say. A lot of people don't have that. Um, right. And this is our listeners from all over the world, United Kingdom, Austria, you know, you name it. What, what would you like to share? Because it blessed me so much. And then we'll go into it for a sec. I was like, wait, but that's tuning out or you just, I know you love me because you're like, what? So we'll talk about that in a second, but the calm, safe place was super, is super important. I stay grounded with it. I guess you want to share, do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Absolutely. Can we take a break? Okay, that was part one, and I really need to break up heavy episodes because of the just content of this, but I told you she's full of wisdom, and we're so blessed to have her. So part two, stay tuned for the Calm Safe Place, uh, the tool to help you bring more peace into your life and other wisdom from Kathy. I love you guys, and wherever you're tuning in from, it is time to heal.